The information presented in this podcast is for educational purposes only and is not meant to be a substitute for clinical mental health treatment. If you or someone you know is experiencing a mental health crisis, please dial 988 or head to your nearest emergency room. going to be a fun episode you all (laughs) welcome to the black people die by suicide 2 podcast where we discuss all things mental health with an emphasis on suicide in the black community i'm your co-host jordan and i am your co-host the one and only kia yes (laughs) (laughs) if this is your first time tuning in welcome 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 if you are coming back for more we appreciate your support so we wanted to do a little bit of housekeeping before we roll into the topic of today's episode um, we are, I guess you'll, you'll experience this more if you are watching on YouTube, but you may also notice some differences on Instagram. So we are changing up the format of our podcast a little bit. You'll notice that some of our episodes like today are going to be filmed in studio and some of them will be recorded online. Um, that's just because, you know, we're both a podcast and a nonprofit organization. So we're trying to redirect some of the funds for the podcast to fund other things uh, related to our nonprofit. Yeah, until we start rolling in dough. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we're just trying to redirect some funds, but fear not, we're still get some podcast episodes out to you all. It just might look a little bit different. Um, if you do want to support us, you can definitely do so. Check the link in the show notes or the description box. There will be a link that you can click to donate. You can also go to our website, www.blackpeoplediebysuicide2.org. And there is a donate tab um, that will take you to our PayPal page. And you can choose whether you're doing a one-time donation, a monthly donation, or a yearly donation. If you feel so inclined to support, just wanted to get that housekeeping out the way to let you all know that things may look a little bit different. Um, Just give you a heads up. Don't know if I miss anything. Did you, you said where we discuss all things? Because, you know, Tiki, I never hear that. It always goes over my head. You do, every time. It's so bad, y'all. I wrote the tagline, and I never hear it when she says it, and I always forget. So, um, yeah. Okay, well then, cool. I'll say it again. Listen, we are Black People Die by Suicide, too. (laughs) (laughs) We discuss all things mental health with an emphasis on suicide in the Black community. So, um, as usual... When we start off every episode, we like to check in and talk about how we're feeling, how we're doing. Takia, how are you doing today? I'm doing a check-in. So, um, <laughs> Jordan laughing because she know what I'm going through. <laughs> um, how I'm feeling, I have been dealing with some anxiety. I have been working on ways of making sure that I'm advocating for myself and not... Um, engaging in my unhealthy coping skill of constantly avoidance. Um, I spoke to a friend who is a therapist and um, I told her that it was important for me to engage in a difficult conversation and not um, avoid because it would be beneficial for my personal development. (laughs) So (laughs) I have been pushing myself to do hard things and I feel very proud of myself that, um, (laughs) 
nine years with Dr. Tucker, almost nine years, really paying off. And I'd be like, girl, you doing that. You really using those coping skills. You are digging in that tool bag. And so I'm actually very proud of the journey, my healing journey, because it's not easy. I like to say that as many degrees or certifications that I have, nothing compares to how hard it has been to work on my healing um, and work on myself. So, yeah, I feel like I feel a mixture of anxiety and and proud. Nice. I'm um, definitely feeling some anxiety just about the future. It's getting close to my birthday, and I, I'm always like this at the beginning of the year, and especially around my birthday. <laughs> like, it's just another year, and I'm just, oh, it's just so many things to be done. But I'm going to take it piecemeal, a little bit at a time, try not to overwhelm myself thinking about the long term right now. I'm just going to take it one day at a time. Um, but a little anxious, but otherwise really excited. It's like an excited anxious, I guess. Mm-hmm. So a positive thing. I'm excited. I don't know if I think I may be a little bit more excited about Jordan's birthday than she is. <laughs> yeah, y'all. I usually don't do anything for my birthday. I should really uh, change that. It would be helpful. It would. I'm sorry, Doctor oh Walker. Gosh. I know Doctor Walker's probably listening. Like, what is she talking about? It would be helpful if I would, you know, take the time to celebrate myself. But usually I don't. But we're gonna we're gonna try to do something this year. So I'm looking forward to that. Yes, I will ensure that. Yes, thank you. (laughs) That's what friends are for, right? We are so excited about our guest today. Um, This individual, he has decades in the game for health equity, mental health, making sure that marginalized groups have access to resources for mental health, substance use, etc., this is an esteemed guest here at Black People Die by Suicide 2, and we are so happy to have him. So today we are joined by Victor Armstrong. He is the Vice President for Health Equity and Engagement with the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Welcome, Victor. You forgot to say he's the first. Thank you. He first, is the first. First Vice President, right? Yes. Let's 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 give him his due diligence, okay? I like that. I like that. I like that. Thank you. <laughs> it is so good. You know, you know, what, what is, it, there's some days when you just know you're in the right place at the right time. This is one of those days. Yes. I just feel like I'm supposed to be here with you right now. <laughs> we are so glad that you're here. Definitely give us a check-in. Tell us how you're doing today. You know, I, I had not even thought about it until you you all did your check in. And so it is, but that is so helpful because one of the things I realized is that I have been moving a lot. I've just been doing a lot and going a lot and, um, and probably more than I should have, because you know how it is. You, you do what you love, but that also means sometimes it's difficult for you to say no, because you Mm. just want to keep doing. Um, and as you were doing your check-in, I started to, to really, Think about the fact that I have not slowed down for a while. I'm talking, you know, going through weekends uh, because I do speaking engagements on weekends or, you know, I participate in different events on weekends. Um, and it's it, I probably need to just slow down a little bit. Mm. But other than that, I'm doing well. You know, I love what I'm doing. Uh, but I do recognize that I need to I need to set some some boundaries or at least adhere to my boundaries. You looking at me? Because I'm looking right at. The- <laughs> <laughs> I 
<laughs> as Victor was talking, I thought of myself, and then I saw your eyes just coming over here. Yes, Takia is. She was, yeah. <laughs> yes, I am Miss she Do Too Much. Yes, she was definitely giving me the side eye. I am Miss Do Too Much. I have a consulting business. We have the nonprofit together. We have the podcast, teaching mental health trainings. It's, I know, um, but I do a really good job 85 to 90% of the time. I do a great job at um, going to bed at a decent time. There are moments where I, I, I do be tripping sometimes, and I send Jordan emails at 3 o'clock in the morning, and I don't respect, expect a response. I'm just getting it out of my system. So, but it's okay. Victor, I can relate. We are one in the same, and I'm always working on making sure that I'm taking break because – I don't want to burn out, mm-hmm. and I understand that I can't save the world in one day. Like, it's just, it's not going to right. happen. Um, so I am a high overachiever, and sometimes it it serves me, and other times it doesn't. So I'm working to find, um, to recognize it and to find the, I, I don't know if balance is the word, but mm-hmm. just making sure that I'm aware of making sure when I need to pull back. So I get it, mm-hmm. Victor. I get it. This is good group therapy for me. I need to check in with you all more often. (laughs) (laughs) So we are getting ready to get into today's topic, y'all. We Usually I have my iPad. I got my phone right here because we want to make sure that we don't miss key information. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're getting into today's topic. And, of course, we're really excited to have Victor join us. Uh, the Mar- the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention has been around for many years and has been the suicide prevention organization. At least I've never heard of another suicide prevention organization mm-hmm. before them. And uh, most of the research that has been done has uh, b- by the organization has been typically um, around the majority. And so... Now, Victor and the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention is launching a new initiative called Less Saved Lives, an introduction to suicide prevention for black and African-American communities. And we are happy that such a large organization is taking the, the necessary steps to bridge the gap between the black community and its suicide prevention efforts. So, Before we dive into this wonderful initiative and all of this amazing work that AFSP is doing, let's talk about Victor first, okay? (laughs) We want to take it back. You know, tell us about yourself um, as it relates to mental health. Was it something uh, that was talked about growing up? Was suicide talked about? If it was, was it in a positive light? What was that like growing, growing up for you? Well, first of all, no, it was not talked about. I grew up in rural North Carolina. Uh, I, the, the size of my hometown, Plymouth, North Carolina, is probably about 4,000 people. So very rural, uh, northeastern North Carolina. Grew up the son of a, of a pastor. My father pastored for 48 years. He retired from pastoring uh, probably about seven years ago. Uh, but I never heard about suicide growing up unless it was in the context of suicide being something that was a white people problem and never heard about it in the context of it being something that we need to think about as black people. You know, I was always told, uh, you know, we're strong, we're resilient people. Uh, we don't kill ourselves. 
Um, and so there was there was nothing to correct that narrative within our community. But I will also say there was nothing external to our community that was, that was correcting that narrative either. Um, so, you know, as you as you mentioned, um, you don't know about a lot of uh, suicide prevention organizations. Um, and there's good reason for that with the black community. There are some other ones out there, but. Uh, but it's only been within the last several years that um, suicide prevention organizations really have had more of a keen focus on uh, black and brown communities. So when I was growing up, that message about it not being an issue for the black community was really reinforced by the fact that no one was reaching into our community saying, you need to be concerned about this. And what happens when you, you do realize there are organizations that are addressing suicide prevention, suicide awareness, but they're talking to other people. The message it sends to us is, you're not our target audience, so this is not an issue for you. Um, and so, um, so it was not something that we talked about. In all the years my father pastored, I never even heard him talk about mental health from the pulpit. Uh, neither him nor any of his peers, and that's not to you know to cast him in a negative light. It just was not something that was that was talked about, and I think, um, in part, that's part of what kind of led to my evolution of really kind of getting into this space and uh, becoming passionate about this space, because uh, as I moved away from home, went away to college, and began to realize that the world was bigger than Plymouth, North Carolina. Uh, I started started really question things, and I started to see things differently, and I started to see some of the stressors differently. I was also raised in a in a household where we didn't talk about things like the impact of racism and discrimination. You know, I was brought up to just kind of live in this harmonious bubble, and then once I realized that life was not that simple, it really opened me up to asking a lot of questions. I actually went to college prepared to be a banker. I graduated. My first job was working at a bank. Uh, I did that for a couple of years and realized this is not where I want to be. And I took a job working at a social services agency, really just uh, trying to bridge the gap until I figured out what I wanted to do next. And shortly after I started there, I realized human services is where I want to be. And if I'm going to be in human services, I wanted to go get a master's degree. And once I ended um, a master's social work program, I quickly realized psychopathology was fascinating to me and answered so many questions for me. Uh, it began it, it began to cause me to ask uh, or to ask myself questions about my own mental well-being and about you know other people around me. Uh, and that was the beginning of my career in mental health. So I've been um, in human services for about 35 years. I've been squarely in the mental health space, space for about 30 years. Um, coming out of graduate school, I started out as a mental health clinician. Um, I And I started as a mental health clinician uh, back in Eastern North Carolina. So I returned back to my, uh, my, my roots. Um, and the area that I was working in was so rural that for about a year, I was the only clinician in three counties. Mm. So I saw the children, I saw the adults, um, I saw the men who were court ordered for domestic violence. I saw the women who they who, who they assaulted. Um, I saw the grandparents. I saw the parents. I saw the children. I ran the DWI groups. I did all of that. And I think it was eye-opening for me because it also showed me a lot of the generational things that happen, a lot of generational challenges that happen. And it showed me the impact 
of trauma in families and how I could talk to a grandmother who experienced sexual abuse and I could talk to her granddaughter who also experienced sexual abuse. And I could see a lot of the patterns repeating themselves. I could talk to families where I saw there was a history of suicide. Um, and I think that was also what really made me passionate about community mental health because I also saw how important it is to have resources in communities where people live, work, play, and worship that speak to their experience. Um, so I went on, um, continued to work in the behavioral health space. I ended up um, working for hospital systems for several years uh, as, a, as a, uh, a mental health clinician and then evolving to doing more of the kind of the, the community work and filling gaps in resources and communities. It caused me to have to work a lot with hospitals because hospitals were more and more seeing mental health patients come into the emergency departments. And as I began working with hospitals, um, they, a hospital one day said, we don't understand any of this behavioral health stuff. You want to just come work for us. And I ended up working for a hospital. Um, my first role in the hospital was, um, I was, um, uh, behavioral health program manager. So I was responsible for behavioral health patients from the time they entered the door, um, through discharging them out into the community. Uh, I eventually became a vice president of a behavioral health hospital for a large hospital system. I worked for several years. We had um, um, child and adolescent inpatient beds. We had 10 outpatient programs on the campus. But again, what I saw there was as a, as a hospital, um, you know, your, your primary focus is on healing and it's on preventing avoidable deaths. And I realized that there were people coming in that were experiencing suicidal desperation. And a lot of those folks, when they left, they still had suicidal desperation. And I think that was the piece about 10 years ago that really caused me to focus on the mental health piece. Uh, and I think more and more, it's become more, more keenly focused on the equity piece, because as I began to think more about how we get resources to people in the communities where they live, it also caused me to think about who's not getting access to those resources and thinking about equity in a lot of different ways, black and brown communities, rural communities, LGBTQ community, um, and how we don't have resources that really speak to people in a way that's culturally relevant for them. Um, and that evolution is really what brought me to the point that I'm at, I'm at now. I, I, throughout my career, I, you know, I, I ran a, a hospital, I was mental health commissioner for the state of North Carolina for a while. Um, I, from there, evolved to be North Carolina's first uh, chief health equity officer. Um, and then eventually end up here with the AFSP. I just started AFSP in August of this year. So I'm relatively new here, but I've been a volunteer with AFSP for several years. I was on the board um, for the North Carolina chapter uh, for about six years before actually coming to, to work for AFSP National. You know, Victor, I really commend you for going back to your community, servicing the people who live there, and really, like, noticing these patterns and these issues that affects generations and actually being interested to make it better. I also have family um, in the Carolinas, and... I know there wasn't a lot of mental health resources, especially at the time when I first was hospitalized. There wasn't a lot of mental health resources. People just would automatically right. defer to the church. So I think it's an admirable thing that 
you were able to go back into your community, see this need and help the people and see this is this is why the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention picked a fantastic person (laughs) to help them with these initiatives. And if you would please tell us, we want to know more about the Let's Save Lives initiative. If you could tell us a little bit about your work with the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention and what Let's Save Lives is all about. Yeah, so first let me say this. Let's Save Lives, it, it it is a program that I'm extremely proud of. And in a lot of ways, I think it it, it kind of also is a culmination of kind of an, an evolution for the organization. I think an evolution for the field. Um, I first got involved with some of the equity work with, with um, AFSP four or five years ago. So where a lot of organizations um, really just started focusing on equity issues after the, the killing of George Floyd and maybe some of them uh, when they saw the disparities in the impact of COVID on black and brown communities, AFSP was an, was an organization that has started this journey um, years before that. And so that that resonated with me and gave gave the organization credibility with me because this was an organization that was asking the question long before a lot of other organizations were, uh, how do we create resources that speak to communities? Now, you and I both know that um, there's not an easy answer for that, and especially for organizations that had not been doing it um, all along, in part because whatever you do as it pertains to equity, you're doing on top of an inequitable system. And so that that creates some challenges. Uh, but AFSP, they reached out a couple of years ago as a part of a grant they had with CVS. Uh, and they said, we want to create a resource for the Black community. And they brought me in as uh, to lead a, an advisory council. And we pulled people from around the state, Black people. Uh, we had researchers, uh, some of them you may know, Dr. Sherry Malik, Dr. Ariel Sheftal, Dr. Rhonda Boyd. Uh, we had Chris Thompson and his wife, uh, Martha, who run uh, the Defensive Line Foundation, uh, all on our advisory council. And what we were given first was kind of the, uh, the introduction to suicide that AFSP has always used called Talk Saves Lives. And I'm not familiar with Talk Saves Lives. Uh, but they gave us that and said, you know, here's the place to start. But we want you all um, to create what you think will speak to your community. And they basically basically just took a step back and said, you know, we can be here to advise you on and, and provide you with the resources, but we want you all to create something that speaks to, to your community. And the first thing that we did was we said, well, let's save lives, uh, that, that the, the name Talk Saves Lives was not going to work because talk has never saved lives in black communities. You know, black communities, when change has occurred, it's either been the result of um, some tragedy uh, or the result of action. And so we want, we started looking at, well, what would change lives, change uh, the narrative in the black community? And we came up with the acronym and LET'S is an acronym, listening, empathy, trust, and support save lives. Uh, and so we wanted to build something that really spoke to all of those different things. Uh, so, uh, so we started uh, back in January of 2022, and we worked to December 2023. So this was almost uh, two years in, in the making. But we wanted something that would speak to the scope of suicide in Black and African American population, uh, something that would help folks to understand the racial and systemic factors that impact suicide in, in the Black and African American community, we wanted people to be able to identify the risk and the protective factors um, when dealing with, with suicide, be able to recognize the warning signs, 
And the, then one of the most important things is we wanted people to, to really be confident in talking to someone who was in suicidal distress and then also being willing to get help with someone uh, if they were experiencing suicide ideation. We, um, we ended up uh, working with a black female-led organization called Hope Collective that came in and helped us with the imagery. So we ended up creating a resource where all the pictures in it are black. Everybody in there looks like us. And we made sure that we had representation from the younger community, the older community, the LGBTQ community, something that spoke to the black experience. And what we do in this program, it's an hour and a half program. And we start with the data. We share the stats with folks that know, yes, black people do uh, die by suicide. We talk about what's unique to the black experience. There are stressors that we all deal with, but there are unique stressors to the black community, some, what, part of it being, being uh, uh, racism, uh, discrimination. Also, the stigma that is that has been attached to conversations about suicide in our community that really have um, indoctrinated us into this, you know, this, this thinking that we don't talk about it. It's not our issue. And if you do talk about it, if you do experience anxiety or depression, that's some sign of moral or spiritual weakness. We talk about even the influence that the faith-based community has had on that message. Um, and, you know, myself being a, the child of a preacher, I can attest to the fact that, um, you know, as much as spirituality and my spirituality is a strength for me, I know that for a lot of people, the church has done some damage around uh, mental health. And so we talk about all of those kinds of things. Um, and then we do some role play. Um, to help people become more comfortable with how to talk about it, how to think about it. We give people resources they can take with them at the end of the training that can help them if they wanted to try to reach other people. Uh, we, we contact our, wherever we're doing the training, we, we reach into the local community. We use our local chapters to make sure that we have local resources to share. And we share resources uh, that are specific to the Black community um, and because a lot of folks don't even know there are resources out there. We're going to have to add this podcast to our list of resources, though, because we want people to tune in to, uh, to this, this podcast as well. But we, uh, we, we did a pilot. Uh, we had nine chapters, um, and I think we did about 13 different uh, pilots of the program across nine, nine states. And the, the um, results were overwhelming. 100% of the people felt like, and I mean 100% of the responses that we got back said it was a positive experience for them. People love the idea that they saw something that speaks to us. You know, traditionally and historically, we have, even when we have sought out resources, it felt more like we've been given permission to access something that tells somebody else's story. We've not had anything that tells our story. And so this is a program that talks about this from the Black perspective, from the Black point of view. And we, you know, we, we talk about it as a program created by Black people for black people. It is for um, people 18 and over. You have to be a person who identifies as black or African-American to, to teach it, to train uh, this program, um, because we, 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 again, we want that, that credibility. Uh, we're actually gonna have a live stream uh, panel discussion on the 15th of this month uh, this, that talks about Let's Save Lives and, and uh, gives more information about it. Uh, we are uh, partnering with Omega Sci-Fi uh, Omega Sci-Fi is um, their Southern District, North Carolina, South Carolina. They're partnering with us, and eventually, 
uh, they'll partner with this on a national basis, but they start with the Southern District. And what they're going to do is uh, they're going to open up the training up to train members of the Omega Psi Phi fraternity. They're going to work with us to train uh, on HBCU campuses. Because think about it, you know, when you think about this narrative that we've all been given around suicide and mental health uh, and recognizing that young Black people are among the fastest rising demographic for suicide, if we can catch these college age students and we can educate them and get them comfortable talking about suicide. Because remember also the CDC uh, data that just recently came out said uh, among young people, 76% of them, three fourths of them said they would be feel more comfortable talking to a peer if they were experiencing a mental health emergency than talking to a clinician. And so if we can get them comfortable talking to one another uh, and getting them comfortable connecting people to resources, then that, that helps us to change that narrative. And then in the school year, these students all go home to their, their homes all across the country. And so we're starting to change that narrative uh, with the younger generation. And these are kids that are, or, or young people that if they're not already, they're gonna soon be um, young parents. And so it helps to really break that, that cycle of stigma that we've been living under for so long. But, um, but I'm extremely proud of it. And I think in a lot of ways, as we talk about lived experience and we talk about how we have become who we are, uh, I think even for an organization like AFSP, this is a part of that lived experience that we're now learning how to create resources that speak specifically to uh, two communities, um, you know, and prior, actually prior to working with um, FSP on Let's Save Lives, I had also worked with them on on a program called Soul Shop for Black Churches. That was a, that, and Soul Shop for Black Churches is, um, and I know you've had Tandra on before. Um, Soul Shop for Black Churches is a program that teaches faith leaders in the black community how to talk about suicide and suicide desperation among their congregants and minister to those folks in their congregations. So again, it, you know, it's evident that. Um, AFSP, this is something that AFSP is committed to. We're, we're about to begin working now on uh, Soul Shop for Latinx community. So this, this journey, this evolution for the organization into really thinking about equity differently and access differently um, is something that AFSP is committed to. And if it were not, I would not be here. You know what? Leon, we got to give AFSP a round of applause, okay? We are, as you were talking, Victor, look, we just getting it, look. It was just like music to my ears because it's long overdue for, you know, for our community. And, you know, as Victor was talking, you know, it really made me think about how they when I said the only organization that I knew of is because a lot of the organizations, once I got into the space, they were all saying mental health, which is a very general term. But when mm -hmm. it came to specifically suicide, it was only for me what I, I never knew of another organization that was so open about like, no, we're here, we're talking about suicide. And for us, that's something that we're really big on for black people die by suicide too. We want to make sure that, Meant, uh, that suicide is not omitted from the mental health conversation. So many times um, I find that, especially on social media, people are like, let's talk about depression. Let's talk about anxiety. But mm -hmm. we got to talk about what could happen when those things aren't addressed. So um, I'm just really happy to hear 
um, what's taking place at the organization. But then also going back a little bit to what you were saying, Victor, because you said you grew up in a rural area. So I'm interested in knowing what the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention is doing to, um, is that a part of also uh, Let's Save Lives to also reach those rural communities as well? Yeah, the the objective the objective of Let's Save Lives is to reach all communities and to reach reach uh, communities where where people live, work, play, and pray. So what we're doing is working through our chapters. We're having our chapters to identify people in their um, states uh, that can be trainers. We just did a training last week or earlier this week, a couple couple of nights ago. Uh, we trained fifty seven people across across the country from different states. Uh, and so these are all people that will go back and take these programs into their communities. And, th- and that's one of the things that we're hoping is that we're, uh, you know, there are areas that may not have the same type of access to services that a larger city would have. And in those rural communities, uh, the first point of contact may be that um, that less saves lives trainer. Uh, one of the things that, uh, you know, as we're talking about this conversation about suicide, one of the things I always talk to people about is that suicide itself is it's not a disease. Suicide is a health outcome. It is the worst possible outcome of a combination of very complex things, mm-hmm. often including mental health challenges. And if it's a combination of a lot of different things, that means there are a lot of different opportunities to intervene if we have the right resources at the right time in the right place. And if we can have people that when someone is experiencing suicide desperation, there's somebody who will encounter them that will say, um, there's help, you're not alone. Uh, and they're comfortable having that conversation. That may be the conversation that saves someone's life. Uh, you cannot necessarily change someone from a state of suicidal thinking to not having suicidal thinking in one conversation, but you can absolutely save a life in one conversation. If you're willing to make that social connection, you might be the hope that that person needs uh, to be able to say, I, I don't want to die today. Uh, in my work with faith leaders, I tell them all the time because I get in these conversations with faith leaders and they you know, they go down this path of what I'm into saving souls. And I will tell them you can't save a soul tomorrow if they ain't here tomorrow. So let's talk about how we save their life today and then we can deal with saving their soul tomorrow. Uh, but yeah, we are we are trying to get this program out to as many communities as we can. Same with Soul Shop. Uh, same with uh, we have a Talk Save Lives for the Latinx community. So we're trying to get this out into communities all across the country. I will tell you something else too, a little little known fact because this is not something we've shared broadly. But uh, I one of the uh, I do the training for the um, the trainers for Soul Shop for Black Churches. And I did a training about four, three, four months ago. Uh, we had eight people, I think, in that class. One of them was from Cameroon, Africa. Wow. So we have a trainer now in Africa who is already doing Soul Shop for Black Churches trainings in Africa because they don't talk about suicide there either. And so, um, so he's got three trainings lined up in Africa right now using the Soul, the, uh, the, the Soul Shop for Black Church curriculum uh, that was co-developed by AFSP. So, uh, yeah, so this this work, and we're not an international company, but if we can touch lives in Africa, I'm all for it. Man, that is huge. Like, speaking of hope, 
I can't tell you how much hope that gives me as a person who has suffered for years with suicidal ideation that a national organization at the level of American Foundation for Suicide Prevention is really like spearheading this effort in the black community to dismantle the idea that this doesn't happen to us. Like y'all are taking this information back to the motherland. Like, do you know how impactful that is? Mm -hmm. Do you know how many people that's going to save? And that's just one country. If you just Cameroon, like you can imagine. Yeah, that's right. Trickle across the continent. Yeah. Okay, I'm not gonna cry. Y'all know I usually cry every episode, but I'm a. Yeah, please, please don't. Go ahead, go ahead. So, even even think about here in America, um, when you think about credibility with the community, to be able to say to a black person, you know, yes, we care about people. We even have a program that's starting to trickle into Africa. So, you know, that says something to me as a black person here that you have a program that's impacting folks in in the motherland. That says a lot. Absolutely. I, I'm I'm happy. Jordan, she, she's the crier. Um, but that's okay. We welcome tears here. Um, I'm just so happy to, to hear this. When you were talking, I was just smiling from ear to ear because I'm like, this is so amazing. So... I just wanted to ask as well if there are any other um, initiatives or any other things that might be coming up uh, the pipeline um, for, you know, the black community um, with the organization. I know you already are doing a lot, but just is there anything else that you might want to share? Well, I think I think the next steps for the black community is really um, how we launch this Let's Save Lives program. We just launched it this, the, the, actually the news release just came out, um, what's today? It came out two days ago. Mm-hmm. I saw uh, it. So we just, <laughs> so we just, just officially launched it. So the next, the next thing that I want to do with the Let's Save Lives program is really uh, work on how we use it to reach into community. So, uh, you know, HBCU is, is one. Uh, you know, we're reaching out to the NAACP, reaching out to the Urban League, reaching out to um, uh, some of our friends in the media, reaching out to sports organizations and fi- trying to figure out if we can uh, use this to uh, really reach into different parts of the black and African-American community. But all the while, what we're also doing is we're taking this as a template for how we continue to build on it, how we create other resources. Um, so, you know, the two, the two main programs we have right now that are black specific are Let's Save Lives and Soul Child for Black Churches. But we also, on our FSP website, have a link uh, for, for resources for historically marginalized communities. Uh, we're always listening to communities. We just we just had our chapter leadership conference where uh, we had a listening session with the AAPI community because we're looking at uh, the, the fact that all communities are impacted by suicide. And if we can, can create... Um, access to resources for people in all of these different communities, we all benefit from that. You know, it, the, the days of just thinking about me and mine um, are, are days that, that need to be behind us. So we're thinking now about how do we reach all communities. And I think for an, uh, a community like the Black community that's had such a heavy stigma around mental health and around suicide in, in particular, uh, if we can make inroads into the Black community, we can make inroads into all communities. Mm. 
That's true. That's, I'm like, wow, that's, that's a way to end the interview, right? Exactly. <laughs> but how can people get involved? How can they learn more? I know you mentioned some resources. We'll make sure if there are yeah. any, any links specifically that you want us to include in the show notes, we'll also do that. But also just giving you the opportunity to just share um, any additional resources or how people can get involved and learn more about the initiatives. So I encourage people to go to our website, AFSP.org. If you go to AFSP.org uh, forward slash, uh, let's say, lives, you can find out that program specifically. And then also AFSP.org um, slash um, Soul Shop. You can also find information about Soul Shop. But I encourage people also on the website, you can find um, your chapter information. If you don't know what the chapter is in your state, uh, you can reach out to your chapter and tell them you're interested in bringing Let's Save Lives to your community. It can be done in person or it can be done virtually. So we can always bring it to a community. If you don't have a trainer yet in your community, uh, we can bring that information to you to you uh, virtually as well. Uh, there's also information on the website about how you can get involved in walks, You know how you can volunteer in your community. Uh, so I encourage us as Black people to really get involved um, in this initiative to save lives. Because when you talk about suicide prevention, at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. It's all about saving lives. Uh, suicide rates in the Black community are going up. Um, the, the, the last date of 2018, 2021, uh, there was like an 18% um, increase in suicide rates, age-adjusted rates. There was like a 39% increase uh, in the 15 to, to 29 year olds from mm. 2018 to 2021. So those, so those rates are going up. But what that also means is that there are opportunities for us to intervene because we know this, because the data is there, and because we're focused on it, there's hope that we can intervene in those communities. And the same way that suicide does not discriminate, neither does hope and social connection. So if we can get get the people, get the message to them, we can save lives. Well, Victor, we thank you so much for your time, not just for the work that you're doing with the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, but for the work that you've done your career long. Um, I think that this is something that is really going to benefit the black community. I know black people die by suicide, too. We hear from people all the time like, they're ready to talk about suicide. Mm -hmm. This is an issue that they're ready to tackle and ready to address, ready to bring to the forefront. And again, I think it's just so amazing that a national, a huge national organization is taking steps to reach out to our community and connect. And I'm really, really, really glad that you are getting positive feedback from the people that have been involved thus far. Well, thank you. Let me tell you, I appreciate so much being on your podcast today because this is a, this is a, collaborative effort it's a community effort it's gonna take all of us uh and i'm so grateful for the partnership that we that we now have with black people die by suicide too so you're gonna be hearing more about this <laughs> this collaboration as well going forward yes we're excited yes. we are so excited i met victor uh in last year at netcon and i went to one of his uh well he had a, a ted style talk but he also had a, a panel or a or they had a, a workshop with uh, Tandra. So that's how I met them both. And just to be able to meet you and to see the work that you're doing is just so inspiring. And also to see how now you're with, um, you know, the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention 
and we're able to be connected um, because I think it's great to be able to be connected to a great organization, but also there's power in number. And even though we are very early in our in, in starting our nonprofit, um, I do think it's very great to work together um, to be able to support each other. So thank you for backing us. Thank you for supporting us in the infancy stages of our organization. Thank you for all that you do. So for our spotlight, we're doing something just a little bit different, and I am really excited about this. Um, typically, we shine light on individuals who have passed away from suicide. But we also want to make sure that we're taking a moment to recognize survivors such as myself. And we actually created a bit of an alternate to the spotlight. Jordan and I have come up with the amazing segment, but also something we will do on social media and highlight in our newsletter as well. And it's called Renewed Resilience Day. I used to just always call it my second birthday. Um, I think it's for me, it's an opportunity to really reflect on my suicide attempt anniversary. Um, and it was really created in the primary goals is to encourage survivors to help us to reshape um, our narrative and perceive this day as a meaningful opportunity to honor ourselves. And it serves as a powerful acknowledgement of resilience, fostering a sense of empowerment, recovery, and us really working together as a collective um, to appreciate um, the strength um, that it takes to actually work on your healing. So I like to say happy Renewed Resilience Day, a.k.a. happy second birthday. And I am excited because by the time you hear this episode, my second birthday will have passed. <laughs> <laughs> so um, for the past, it's been a few years, maybe five years, February 11th, 2016, um, is my second birthday and I often do something that day to just honor myself to reflect um, there are moments where I have gone um, if you're in the DC area I, oft, I would go to like Great Falls and I would use I would sit on the mountaintop and journal I guess I was having a Moses moment or somebody <laughs> but I would use it as opportunity to write goals to reflect and I'm just excited to think that eight years ago like possibly I would have not been here. Mm -hmm. And I think about like how far I've come in eight years, even though I still have my moments of struggle, I'm still very proud of the progress that I've made. And to think that if my life was short lived, what I've experienced, even though it's still been hard in terms of life life in, but what I've experienced in the trajectory and the changes in my career and being able to advocate for myself and speak up for myself, um, being able to meet you. Like if it would have happened in 2016, you would we would have never met. Um, and there's just so much life that has happened in eight years. And I'm just I think I'm just overwhelmed uh, with with gratitude. So I'm going to say happy second birthday to me. Yes. You know what? We want to take Renewed Resilience Day and make that an ode to. The, our darkest day, but reclaiming that into something positive and shifting that into something that you can use to inspire yourself to keep going. And I think it's such a great idea. I'm so glad that you're here. It's another, almost another year <laughs> with our dear Takia. So I'm really excited about that. Um, 
February is also a special month because it's it's my birthday. <laughs> yes, it's Georgie's birthday. Thank you, Leon. Leon was ready. Okay, he was ready. He was ready on deck. Yes, <laughs> it yes. is your birthday. So let's 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 talk about that. How are you feeling about your birthday? Like what what's going through your head? First off, let me tell y'all. So my, my birthday is February thirteenth, by the way. Yes. So the joke for my birthday is this is my ninth twenty fifth birthday. Listen, uh, I'm saying I've been like this ever since I turned twenty five. When I turned twenty seven, I'm like I turned twenty five for the third time. Okay, listen, like I delusional, but I don't know. Like another year older. It always makes me reflective, and I think that's what gets me about the new year, too. Like, it's another year older. Maybe I should stop thinking about it this way, but I always say, like, another year without my dad. So my birthday is a little, it's a little somber for me as I get older, but you know what? I'm excited about this year. This year is different. I'm doing something with, you know, the podcast and the organization. doesn't just have to be me thinking about you know sad times and I'm grateful that I'm still here um I actually plan to go see my father uh go visit his grave I'm I'm, I'm gonna do something positive for myself this year yeah y- you are you are because we're going to hang out this weekend right well maybe it's a little selfish I, I suggested it I don't know I would like for Jordan to use this as part of her celebration, but I said, hey, I want to do something this weekend. You know, Jordan's more of a laid back. She's the wallflower. Okay, we'll get Dr. Joy here to talk about her book in Mm -hmm. a minute. But, yeah, she's more just go with the flow. But I must say, as the friend on the opposite side, I think I mentioned this to you. I've, I've been saying this lately, like, how proud I am of you because... Like, it's so great when you can, like, see where someone starts. Like, since we first started the organization, or even before that, when we first became friends, we met in 2018. And to just think, like, how our relationship has grown is, like, it's mind-blowing to me. Like, I do consider you as, like, a best friend because, okay, so the running joke, let me sidebar. I was talking to my mom, and I was venting about people in general and I just said to my mom you know if everybody could just be like Jordan like the world would be a much better place right (laughs) and my mom said you know what you should get a t-shirt that says just be like Jordan (laughs) there you go (laughs) so but I really do thank you and honor you for your friendship for always having my back for not judging me when I would share things that maybe some people might judge. Um, You know, Jordan has seen me through some stuff, you know, some hard times, some dumb stuff that I would do, but we're not going to talk about that on the (laughs) podcast. (laughs) So I'm just excited to celebrate another year with you. And um, yeah, I love you, girl. Thank you, girl. I love you, too. <laughs> I appreciate her. Like, Takiya has really, um, especially over the past year with the organization, she's really pushed me um, to be out of my shell because I really am that wallflower person. And she's trying to push me to, you know, be more vocal and be less in the shadows. And I appreciate that because that's what I need. So 
love you back. <laughs> My ride and die, I told you. I'm a little overprotective about Jordan. So if she get new friends, you know, I might put up a fight. So I'm just saying I'm always going to be number one. I'm a little t- territorial. <laughs> so that's okay. But we want to just, you know, encourage y'all to just use this as a time of reflection, whether it's your first birthday or your second birthday. Um, we want to get into the resource. Yes. So for today's resource, I don't even need to speak. Victor already said it for me. <laughs> American <laughs> Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Um, again, Let's Save Lives, their effort that is geared toward the African-American community and providing resources for people to really like kind of like us that you know that you're not alone. As Victor mentioned, you can reach out and connect with the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention through AFSP.org, I think forward slash Let's Save Lives. Um, definitely check them out. As he also mentioned, you can check to see if your state has a local chapter, which they should. So you can even get in contact with them. Definitely start with Let's Save Lives. Again, kudos to the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention for this effort and for making black the black community a priority when it comes to suicide prevention. Like top notch. Yes, I, I, I love it. For our community change maker segment, I'm excited about this person. Let me sit up for a little second, okay? <laughs> our community change maker, I have no idea how I discovered this wonderful beacon of hope. Um, but we are connected on social media, and that is the amazing Dr. Alfie. She has been doing so much work as it relates to youth. Uh, of color mental health um she's a psychologist a scientist an author the founder of the nonprofit, the acoma project and she's a mental health correspondent she focuses on as i mentioned mental health um, and disparities in the intersections of people of color and she also has her own podcast called coach in color with dr alfie and she's also a regular media contributor contributor for major television print podcast etc etc y'all I love Dr. Alfie okay I did get the opportunity to meet her in person I ran down to because she was she was walking away I turned into a I don't know a track star listen y'all we went to Charlemagne's event um back last year mm-hmm. <laughs> in New York City <laughs> and Takia is short but them legs move okay <laughs> like she's next to you one second and then the next second she's gone like across a football field or something <laughs> and I heard her say something and I was like huh so I turned and looked and I said Takia where are you going she was moving y'all all I heard was Dr. Alfie. <laughs> that was her, like, in the distance telling me that she was going to see Dr. Alfie. So, like, I tried to run behind her, and we did get to meet her in person. And uh, that's my that's my memory of Dr. Alfie. <laughs> Dr. Alfie! <laughs> yes, yeah, she, she is great, and um, I hope we get the opportunity to bring her on the podcast. But she's doing some amazing work. So check out... Uh, the Acoma, well, it's actually AcomaProject.org. We'll be sure to put that in the show notes. 
and also her podcast, dralfie.com forward slash couched in color. So we'll have that as well. So shout out to Dr. Alfie. We love you over here at Black People Die by Suicide too. (laughs) (laughs) So for self, oh man, self-care segment. What are we doing for (laughs) self-care? What are we doing for self-care? What? You know what? I'm going to do something for my birthday. Like, we're going to go out. I think this is good self-care for both of us, honestly. Like, your Renewed Resilience Day, my birthday, us going together, doing, like, a little mini, mini, mini trip. But it's a trip nonetheless. Right. We're going to West Virginia. (laughs) Yes. We're going to eat some vegan food. I feel like that's good self-care. Yes. I'm excited. I discovered this vegan uh, Puerto Puerto Rican Rican, spot. And um, I think I've mentioned, I don't know if I mentioned it on the podcast, but I I've become a foodie since becoming vegan. I never used to, I mean, I like food, but now I think I'm always just so amazed at how vegans are so creative. Like, I'm not that creative. I could do a little something, something, but I'm still learning. And so I'm just always amazed to to just try vegan soul food, vegan Asian food. Like, so when I saw this Puerto Rican vegan spot, I said, I need Jordan because Jordan Jordan's not vegan, but she's always willing yeah, to try vegan, vegan food. Food. But she's just always willing to try to pretty much try anything. I'm like, Jordan, let's do this. She's generally going to say yes. She's pretty much down for the cause. That's why I don't really need nobody else. Like, I'm just playing. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'm ready for some vegan mofongo. I might be pronouncing that wrong. Mofongo, you're right. Yes, I, I'm ready. So, yeah, I think that that is a great self-care um, for us. Um, we're going to be experiencing our self-care together, a nice little day trip on the road. So, yeah, I think we could. I think it's fair to use that. All right. All right. So for our moment of inspiration, of course, Renew Resilience Day, we just want to encourage people to, um, you know, take that moment and turn it into something positive. doesn't have to be a... A somber memory like you could do like Takiya go away for a day do something that you feel good about you know take some time out to care for yourself on that day um, and just reflect on the opportunity you're, you're still here you're still able to do amazing things and that, that memory doesn't have to weigh you down Absolutely. I love that you said that. Um, I think it's important that we do celebrate ourselves outside of our birthday, um, especially for those of us who struggle with our mental health, um, those of us who have struggled with ideation or um, survived an attempt. Um, People celebrate anniversaries for surviving cancer all of the time. But um, I think it's important that we're doing this because it gives light to like we're still all in recovery and still working. This is not to take away from cancer patients or people who have survived a cancer. Um, but we just want to encourage y'all to, to celebrate yourself. So thank you once again for tuning in to another episode of Black People Die by Suicide 2. And y'all, please make sure you're leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast. YouTube, give us, you know, a good three plus star rating review. If there are things that you would like us to improve, just send us an email, info at black people die by suicide too. Thank y'all for engaging with our con our content. Instagram really be popping for us, okay? We have a TikTok and usually that's just um to raise awareness about uh the podcast. But Instagram really be popping. Y'all be out here sharing stuff. 
Um, but TikTok too, let me tell you, because one of our videos, I don't remember how many views it got, but a lot of people were sharing was sharing it. And it was specifically, I think, the video with Dr. Walker um, and talking about racism. So I'm not going to play y'all out TikTok. Y'all do be showing us love, too. Um, we just a work in progress over there. TikTok is a different beast. Um, but we're very appreciative whether you share our video, whether you comment our video, whether you text it you know, to your sneaky link, whatever it is that you do. (laughs) (laughs) We thank you for your support. So catch us on the next episode.